Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for October 17th is Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6, and the first 17 verses of Luke chapter 9. The beheading of John the Baptist took place because of political alliances and darkness hating the truth. John, whether he should or should not have, we are not told in the scripture, confronted Herod the Tetrarch about marrying his brother's wife. When people do things that they know they shouldn't do, they don't like it very much when people tell them they shouldn't do it. Any of us who are parents know that full well. Darkness hates the light and does not want to come into the light. Even though Herod wanted to kill John, he was unwilling to do it because he was afraid that it would cause a stir because so many of the people trusted John and viewed him as a prophet. Even corrupt leaders are held accountable when the people are paying attention and making their opinions known. During a feast that Herod is hosting, his daughter-in-law dances before him and he is so pleased with her that he promises to give her anything she asks for up to half of his kingdom. She goes and asks her mother what she should request from the king, and she's told, ask for John's head on a platter. Herod doesn't want to fulfill that request, but he's pressured again because of the people around him who heard him swear an oath, telling her he would give her whatever she asked for. And so the life of John the Baptist is taken. When news comes to Jesus, can only imagine how he must have felt. We don't know if Jesus foresaw this happening, but even if you know something bad is coming, it doesn't lessen the blow when it actually arrives. This was Jesus' cousin. They likely spent a lot of time growing up together. He's one who had a very similar calling to Jesus himself, and it must have rocked Jesus emotionally knowing that he was fully man and I imagine that it rocked Jesus emotionally because he was fully man he didn't sin but he faced every temptation that you and I would face when Jesus heard this horrific news he withdrew to be by himself and no doubt to pray we see even more of Jesus humanity and his humility come forth during this time because even though he needed some time alone, the crowds wouldn't give him and he still had compassion on them. And so comes the story of the feeding of the 5,000. The 5,000 were the men, not counting women and children, and they were fed by five loaves and two fish. The disciples wanted to send the people away. When Jesus told them, you feed these people, their response was it would take nine months worth of wages to feed all of these people. Likely something like $30,000 in today's money. Do you really want us to spend $30,000 to feed these people? Jesus had them sit down in groups of about 50 each. He blessed the bread. He broke it. He distributed it. And it did not run out until everyone was fed and full. Almost anywhere in the world where there has been a natural disaster, 
and people are being ministered to and fed. Wherever Christians gather together, these kinds of miracles will manifest. We are not to worry about what we will do or how we will provide. We are to thank God for what we have. We are to break it. We are to disseminate it. And we are to watch God work. Finally, after meeting the needs of all of these thousands of people, maybe 15,000 people when you count the women and the children, Jesus is finally going to get some time alone to pray. I know I would be tempted to turn the crowds away. Just let me have a day. I just lost my cousin and my best friend. Give me some time and then I'll come out and talk and teach you guys. But just give me some time. But no, Jesus puts their needs ahead of his own. And after what must have been several hours feeding them, teaching them, ministering to them, healing them, he finally sends his disciples out. It's late at night by this time. Puts his disciples in a boat and he goes off by himself to pray. The wind was against them. They're not making very good progress getting back across the river. And after several hours of prayer and communion with the Father, Jesus comes out walking on the water and he's even planning to walk right by them. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, they cried out in fear and they said, it's a ghost. What would you think? Granted, they were exhausted. They'd been rowing for hours. They weren't making any progress. Their situation must have seemed dire and hopeless. And then they see this apparition of a man walking on top of the water, only illuminated by the moon and stars. You and I likely would have thought it was a ghost as well. Jesus says, take courage, it is I. And we don't know what all of the disciples were thinking, but recorded for us is Peter's response. Jesus, if that's really you, command me to come out onto the water with you. I wonder if a smile spread across Jesus' face when he said to Peter, come, come on out, join me, be the only other person in recorded history who has walked on water. It's not recorded what the other disciples said. If they said anything at all, I wonder if any of them were saying, no, Peter, don't do it. What are you, are you crazy? You'll drown. And when Peter steps out on the water and is standing there, perhaps his thoughts got the better of him because he was hearing the voices of the doubters in the boat instead of looking at the Savior who's standing on top of the waves. And so he begins to sink as his faith wavers. But he does the right thing. He calls out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus caught hold of him and saved him and then asked him a question. Why did you doubt? Why do we doubt, friends? God shows his faithfulness to us day after day after day. Why do we doubt? Perhaps it's because we're hearing the voices of the people in the boat who are too afraid to get out more than we're hearing the voice of the one standing on top of the waves beckoning us to come. Maybe we should turn off the news and turn off the conversations with people who discourage us, who cause us to focus on the fear. 
and spend more time in the word and fellowshipping with people who are going to encourage us to stand on top of the water. As soon as Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind ceased and they made it to shore. And as soon as they did, the crowds gathered once again. Jesus couldn't go anywhere and be alone, but he healed all who were brought to him. News of the story of the woman who had the flow of blood for 12 years must have traveled far because now everyone is trying to touch the hem of his robe to receive their healing. And all who touch it do. In Mark chapter 6, we see Jesus unable to perform miracles in his hometown because the people were so focused on the kid that grew up there and not the anointing that was on his life. And so Jesus says to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. It goes on to say, he was amazed at their unbelief. The fact that he was amazed at their unbelief shows me that he expected something greater from them. He wasn't pessimistic, expecting them to fail. He was optimistic, expecting them to trust. And I believe he has that same view of us today. He's optimistic. He knows what we're capable of. He knows what will happen when we trust him, when we place our faith in him, when we don't hold on to our expectations of what things are supposed to be like because what they've always been like when before he came on the scene he was optimistic perhaps because most of the places he went people were receiving the truth they rejoiced with gladness over the good news being preached we read in mark 6 and luke 9 how he commissions the 12 luke 9 1 says he summoned the 12 gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And then he instructs them, take nothing for the road. In other words, I expect you to live by faith. Go out to the towns and minister to the people. Tell them that the kingdom of heaven has come near. It is at hand. Take nothing for the road. No staff, no overnight bag, no bread no money, don't even take an extra shirt, but go and be completely dependent upon God ultimately, but upon the people you'll be ministering to for your provision. We want to create a budget. We want to go once the funds are in the bank. We want to raise support or save our money and get to the place that we can go off and perform the missions. Jesus is saying, go and trust me to provide. The most important thing is that we are doing what he called us to do. As we study his word, as we spend more time in communion with him, we will hear his voice more clearly and then we will know what it is we are supposed to be doing. Nothing else matters, friends. Let's get to know him. Let's do his bidding. Let's do it faithfully and watch him work. God bless you. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.